So today we're interviewing Ben Hergert, who just completed, well, back in October, I guess, he <laughs> recently completed the 4,000, well, I have it as 4,253 mile Transamerica Trail. I'm sure it was more miles, though, by the end of it. <laughs> it oh, it definitely goodness. ended up being more than that, but yeah, it's it's 4,200-ish is the official route. <laughs> Perfect. So, and so he just did this, but he did it also by himself, total solo, which I have huge respect for. I love doing things solo, but I also know the the stuff that comes with that, the baggage, the yep. emotional stuff. I, so we're going to dive into that. And then, yeah, if you don't know what the Trans-American Trail is, it's basically a bicycle route that begins on the West Coast and ends on the East Coast. That's kind of how I would explain it. But welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you Thank coming you. on. Thank you happy to be here <laughs> it's always great to yes. talk about this because like I, I i don't like to brag about things uh, uh yeah. and you know I'll, I'll post things on my social media but i don't like walk out in every like interaction is like hello i also biked across the u.s uh yeah <laughs> dude 100 and that's it's a great point and it's one of the reasons why i bring some some people on here because i know you guys are so humble and like I love that, but I also want people to know your story and like want be, want to be inspired by it because I was inspired by it. And actually, the way that I met Ben was in <laughs> Lander, Wyoming. I don't know if you remember this or not, but yeah, we had yeah. So we had failed the I had me and a buddy had failed the Wind River High Route, and we were just staying randomly in the state park. We had we had hitched around. It was a mess. But all of a sudden. Ben comes in on this bike. He's got a big flag. And I'm like, oh, this dude's seen some shit. And so right away, of course, I go over, I start uh, talking with him and we, we kind of camp together and stuff like that. And what, what did you think of Wyoming and where were you at it, at that point in your journey? How were you doing? So that was what I would say, like maybe a third of the way through. Um, and y'all actually caught me at a really good point. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had, I had just passed, uh, through, I, I would say the gauntlet of my trip. Um, and I was dealing with a lot of mechanical issues with my bike. Uh, just like yeah. I tried to be super prepared and I tried to bring here and the right emergency stuff, you know, like I'm, uh, an Eagle scout and my brother is a, uh, uh, a, um, backcountry ranger for the park service. And so, you know, for the like months leading up to the trip, you know, he's giving me gear advice, talking things through. And so I thought I was prepared for the trip, but uh, I ended up having some problems with the way that I set up my bike. And so that led to a lot of like mechanical failures, uh, spokes breaking. And so um, I had been reaching kind of a point of frustration until I got to Jackson, Wyoming. Um, and I got a new wheel on my bike. And so after that, it was pretty much bliss. So y'all caught me a little bit after that. I think that was probably like a week or so after I got that. And so I was like, I'm feeling good. You know, I, I trust my bike again. But Wyoming was tough, man. Uh, once you got past, uh, uh, let's see, Yellowstone and Grand Tetons, you entered into the the wild, wild west of Wyoming. Um, and everything that you have on the Transamerica Trail after the Grand Tetons is pretty desolate until you get to, um, which was it? It's, um, Rollins, Rollins. Uh, that's like the major city. 
And so each day, which is like 4,000, 9,000 people, right? <laughs> yeah. And I say big city. <laughs> yeah. Um, but every day out there um, in, in that particular part of the trip was like 75 miles between cities. I really plan out your day. You got to know your resources um, because it was like you would have one rest stop for the day about halfway through the trip, and that's probably just a water station. Um, right. And so I was definitely tired when I first met you. I remember coming into Lander and trying to find the park and everything, and uh, I guess there was some sort of college retreat happening that weekend because the park was full of like college kids or or fresh fresh college kids or something. I'm just looking around for a place to camp, and I'm wheeling my bike through everything, and I see a couple of guys set up near this tree, and you were like, "Hey, come camp with us!" Awesome. <laughs> um, but it was it was a fun moment. Atlanta was a really cool city. Oh, dude, I I totally agree. It was so accommodating. People were so nice. However, I did have to call the police on that one person that was were you you might have been passed out. Were you was passed that, out? Maybe because I remember there was an issue with uh one that came and camped near us at yeah. like midnight or something. Dude, dude, before not to detract from your awesome story, but <laughs> Before we go to bed, you were like, no, you went to go get food or something. I think that's what happened. Yeah. You yeah. went to go get food, like wait late at night. You were trying to tempt us to go in there. I was like, I, I can't, I got to go to bed. Yeah. So me and my buddy go to bed and there was this like underage woman that was just intoxicated and just stumbling over. And she was like making threats to people. And she was arguing with her parents oh. and her parents just like went to bed and she's like outside of the tent and she's like stumbling around the campground. She's like, I'm going to, she literally is saying, I'm going to kill everyone in here. And I, at that point I was like, no, no, that's not, that's not cool. <laughs> so I ended up calling the non-emergency number the local area and they sent some police people out there and kind of talked with her and stuff. And they ended up arrest, arresting her. And, wow. but you know, it's like, it's like, dude, <laughs> Yeah. And, and it was like, dude, it's like, we're in a tent, man. Like I'm not keeping any, you know, there's fabric between us. Yeah, like, no. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, but anyway, that's awesome, dude. So, so it sounds like we caught you at a good time. It was, you had some mechanical issues starting out now. How, yeah. how bad were these issues? Were they really taking a lot of days off of your schedule? I'm sure they were very frustrating. What, what happened? It was, it was definitely throwing a wrench uh, in, in the way that I wanted the uh, trip to go. And financially, it was also pretty annoying. Um, so basically, uh, it starts off with me purchasing the bike that I wanted for the trip. I got a Trek checkpoint. And before this, I had been looking into getting um, a bike that would be an upgrade from my hybrid. And I wanted to get more into like road cycling. So I just picked that bike because I figured, oh, it has, you know, the rugged kind of entry level uh, road bike, but it's more of a gravel bike than anything. Um, so it's got wider, fatter tires. It's got a lot of mount points. And so it's meant for like, I think they describe it as light bike tour. <laughs> and of course, I had mounted on the 4000 across the US <laughs> trip, which is not exactly light bike touring. Um, 
but with that i was like oh whatever so i had loaded all of my gear onto the bike um and got started in astoria oregon and things were going pretty great uh up until probably like the second week um i had just met a couple of guys in where was it prairie city oregon um and uh that day we were trying to summit across a couple of passes and i broke my spoke going up this one hill uh and so the two guys you know they just had to carry on and i had to go back into town but the thing is you're on this trip and you're going through mostly small towns like the transamerica trail intentionally tries to keep you away from uh, a lot of big like metropolitan areas tries to put you on those nice calmer back roads and so you're not always close to a bike shop or even like a car shop or you know just you know the common resources you find in society um so i ran into a lot of issues and especially that point where it's like I have a limited amount of tools that I'm able to carry with myself because weight limits and, and, and size limits and whatnot. I don't want to be carrying all the kinds of things that you need to repair a bike. And then also not having access to like a bike shop or something like that. So for that first spoke that I broke, I had to basically fix it myself. Uh, and I utilized a motorcycle shop in uh where i get yeah i guess that was prairie city oregon uh with two dudes that didn't really want to help me um <laughs> that were sort of being these like grouchy kind of middle to older age men and i'm just like trying to like you know say just give me the tools i can do it and <laughs> it was just this fight and after like a couple of hours they had kind of gotten to know me a little bit and so willing to help out but it was crazy. Um, and so that was just like the first example of that, like leading to some problems. But um, a couple spokes after that, just at kind of inopportune moments where I had to diverge from where I was at my trip on the route and go find some bike shop or something. Luckily, the second time that it happened, my brother had joined me for uh, a short stint in Idaho. And so he was he was kind of in like a support vehicle in his Jeep. And so we were able to go off and like find a bike shop that was out of the way. Um, but yeah, it was definitely uh, very, very taxing on me mentally because I'm just trying to make progress every day. My goal is to keep going and move forward um, in a, a big mental hurdle is this idea of like having to stop or to go backwards. You know, you're building up a lot of progress and it feels good whenever you're making milestones. But whenever you reach these kinds of issues and you're required to uh, figure out how to adapt to them or how to solve uh, some sort of problem with your bike, uh, you have to spend money, you got to spend time, you got to change up out, you got to figure things out that are completely um you know uh, off from what your intentional route was and what um your schedule was so that would uh, lead to several kinds of like budget setbacks of having to spend money at these bike shops to get it fixed uh and then it led to you know just some time setbacks but i think it was mostly those kinds of problems uh led to mental setbacks i had never bike toured before so this was just me figuring things out. I went, you know, 
and I'm just doing this day by day. And you build up different levels of confidence as the trip goes on. You know, it's not a steady, like, I know what I'm doing. You know, everything is great. Uh, everything is pretty dependent on, say, the weather of the day. I'd say it's dependent on the, the, the yeah, so the climate and the terrain. Like the, that is really what influences your day-to-day -day mental state. Um, and so whenever you're getting into a good rhythm of like, yeah, I'm, I'm making a lot of progress. I'm going far, um, maybe like I'm summiting a lot of mountain passes, you're feeling great. But then whenever you get to a point where I've hit, you know, these mechanical issues, you know, my bike isn't cooperating with me. Uh, I can't trust my bike, you know, because uh, that's what you're with. Like I'm, I'm out there solo, so I'm completely self-supported and I have to make all of the decisions myself and if my bike breaks down i either need to walk my bike or you know hitchhike or find some help so it really comes down to your preparedness and um the kinds of mechanicals uh were definitely holding me back until i got to jackson wyoming and went around to every single bike shop asking people if they had a a, a specific kind of like stronger wheel um and luckily i met a guy that sold me his personal wheel set <laughs> um and that things were great like i only had you know flat tires or uh just the occasional kind of thing but uh it, it was a crazy moment um and uh i i was very very happy that i had done that um because if i didn't get that new wheel it would have just been that kind of like slow, uh, fix things, get going, stop, don't feel good about the bike, you know, get back on things. So um, that definitely increased my confidence a lot. Dude, oh, so many nuggets there. So many gold nuggets there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that this whole trip is a big problem solving puzzle. Essentially. Yeah. Like, especially and it and it increases in difficulty because you are solo you have to rely on yourself you have to rely maybe on other people but you have to you're figuring out all this stuff on the fly especially this is your first bike tour everyone yeah. this is his first why why not just go bang out four thousand miles on your first bike tour why not yeah. right yeah yeah i absolutely i dude i absolutely love it i absolutely love it now kind of going off this theme was there there's always what I like to call turn back moments in, in big endeavors. And what I mean by that is, is mm -hmm. there's times where you could keep going or like you're at the crossroads. Like you truly can be at a crossroads. And I, I remember this in my training for my hundred miler. Like there was one specific time where I was just like, I didn't want to run. I didn't want to do a training run. I didn't want to do it. And I sat there for hours not wanting to do it. And I was like, if I don't do it, then I'm just not, I have to scrap the run. And I ended up doing it. You know, I got through that turn back moment. What was the biggest turn back moment for you that you encountered, do you think? Or maybe it was the spokes thing. That that first one uh, in Oregon back near like Prairie City, that definitely tested me. Uh, and there was a moment where I was having to try to fix um, the spoke that I thought I kind of reached a mental breaking point. Um, but that like at that exact moment, uh, um, uh, a guy from the motorcycle shop had been passing by and he was like, oh, hey, you know, if you want, you can come try and fix it over at the motorcycle shop. 
Um, and so I'm not a, a big guy in believing in like coincidences, uh, sorry, coincidences. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm Christian. And so I, I've also heard like terms, what is it? A lot of people talked about trail angels on, on the bike trip. And so it was like, that was definitely like a godsend moment for me of just like someone like saying, like, Hey, let me help you out. Um, but I would say probably the, the biggest like turnaround moment for me was um, near West. Yeah. Uh, what was the city called? Let's see. I have it up right now. He's maps. Yeah, he's got his maps. Yeah. I love Let's it. He's see. Okay. It's, it was near Dillon. Um, I had just um, met a bunch of really cool people at this like bike campground had a great day, you know, and they headed off, uh, they were headed Transamerica Trail West, and I'm headed east, and I head out for the day, um, and stop in this little town, and I got a Huckleberry, like, milkshake thing, just having a great day, I'm like, this is awesome, I'm having my little treat, you know, I'm enjoying things, and then as I'm biking through, like, just flat terrain, nothing's going on, I hear another spoke break, and I'm like, you've got to oh. be kidding me, and like uh at that point i think i had gotten past the kinds of anger and frustration that i had had of like previous mechanical issues it was just that kind of weird even keeled feeling of like you know what fine i'll, I'll figure it out i'll figure it out uh, um and as i'm trying to fix up the bike uh this older couple comes and stops by on the road and they just swooped me up got me in their car uh fixed all of their gear to fit my bike into their car. And before I knew it, we were just on the road to uh, West Yellowstone. They were coincidentally on their way uh, to go like on a fishing trip uh, to West Yellowstone. And my route was taking me to West Yellowstone. Um, and so they just picked me up, they dropped me off uh, in West Yellowstone. And at that moment, I was just pissed off. I was um, angry with my bike. I was angry with how things were going over the last couple of days. Um, and so I got a hotel and I called my parents um, and I was just explaining the whole situation. And I had already started to make a plan. I was like, you know, I, I see that there's a bike shop in this town. Uh, I can go get that done. But, you know, I'm kind of reaching a point where I'm getting too tired of having to do this kind of repetitive fix the bike in just like fixing a small thing of fixing the spokes you know it just kind of a get by kind of a half measure and i was just getting to the point where i was like i don't know if i can keep doing this like if this is what the trip is gonna be i don't know if it's worth it to continue on like this um but talked through things with them made a plan to go visit this bike shop and to uh start making changes for the bike whether that was like maybe change up where your gear is. Um, and then the big thing that we came to was maybe you should try to change the wheels um, and try to see if a bike shop has a wheel. Um, so we made a plan at that point. I slept on it. And the next day I actually reached out to uh, my Trek dealership uh, where I got the bike. I had known uh, uh, the manager there uh, and they have really great services uh, as a sidebar. Trek would recommend for their service. They're really awesome, uh, very responsive there. And so reached out to them and they started giving me advice. They started telling me all of the specs of the bike that I needed. They were telling me like uh, Trek stores in the area, which <laughs> was more like Trek stores 
uh, approachable by car. So it's like, oh, this is a hundred miles. <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of got a bike there or hitchhike there. So, you know, whatever. Um, but they were doing their best to try and help me and came down to them telling me like, you need this kind of wheel, you know, and, and it needs to have um, these kinds of properties. Um, and so at that point I was able to make a plan uh, figure out that over the next couple of days, I would be headed towards Jackson. And Jackson is a huge high adventure kind of capital. Um, and they've got a lot of bike shops. They've got a lot of hiking stuff, a lot of gear like that. And so I saw that they had six different bike shops. I'm like, okay, there has to be at least one place that's going to have something for me. Um, so over the next week, um, I was like calling these bike shops and uh, talking to people. And finally, when I got to Jackson and went around, I was able to, uh, you know, put the new wheel on my bike and it completely changed the course of it. And I think at that moment, I was like, okay, I can do this. It was just kind of like a, a week long period of not trusting my bike, not sure if I could trust myself. Um, and until I got to that moment, it was just kind of this fear. I had been riding on my bike like, uh, like as if I was sitting on eggshells um, and I got to that moment and it totally boosted my confidence um, and I was like all right you know what I think I can do this now because I had still uh, over 50% of the trip to go you know like at this point uh, uh, when I was in Yellowstone there were probably like 2,500 miles or more to go and when you're having to stop so much and you're having to spend a lot of money to fix things, um, you just get into the point where it's like, why am I doing this? You know, uh, is this worth uh, trying to keep pushing on like this or should I call it quits or, you know, take a pause and, and come back and try to do this crazy achievement some other time? Um, but yeah, uh, I'd say that was probably the hardest part but luckily we overcame it. <laughs> Amazing. So it sounds like right when you got it. Yeah. It was like right when you got to see us when we, or when we saw you in Wyoming, that was when you were kind of more on the, it was a little more stable for you anyways. Like you were, yes. you were like, Hey, I think I could, I can make it now. Like I, I Definitely. things are going well. What did your daily routine look like? I'm on the, on the, on the road, like on a good day. Like what, what, what would be like an ideal day for you? Yeah, so I'd say probably since the majority of it was uh, like camping, um, I, I'm kind of like a, a more of a nocturnal kind of guy and a, a wake up later he is. guy. He is. I, and... I, I can I can I can attest to this because he was trying to get food at like 10 p.m. I'm like, no. <laughs> <That's what> I'm <laughs> and I, I definitely had to, to change a bit of that with the bike trip. Um, and became a little bit more of a morning person. But I, I usually took my time in the mornings. Uh, I just like wake up, have breakfast, plan out where I wanted to go for the day, uh, and then hit the road by, I don't know, 10, you know, or so. And um, bike, I'd say probably half of my route. I Every day I'd go 50 or 60 miles um that also just depended on the terrain but i'd bike like about half of that 25 miles or so stop for lunch um see if my route that i still wanted to go um was um feasible for the day of the the pace that i was making 
uh, and then keep going, bike for the rest of the day, um, and then hopefully hit campground um, or, you know, some kind of accommodation. Um, but in between that, you know, uh, you would find, I would hit like uh, gas stations every once in a while. And that was always a great moment for me because I get like a Gatorade and refresh or I get, you know, some like ice cream, like Snickers bars, those Snickers ice cream bars. I'd say that was a staple. Like if I could have had a single sponsor on this trip, it would probably be Snickers or maybe like Gatorade or something because those things, oh, so great. You get a little sugar in there, you know, you get a little boost, you get cooled off because, you know, it's kind of hot. Um, but um, yeah, and that was also a chance to kind of get to know people and have interactions um, with just kind of the locals of an area. Um, and so that was always just a fun moment of every day was just coming into these different towns or passing through certain areas and talking with people. Uh, but yeah, I guess it would be like, wake up, get going, bike after breakfast, uh, after I'd packed up my gear, um, get moving, stop somewhere before lunch. Um, and then after lunch, probably stop like maybe one or two more times um and then get to camp probably i stopped around 5 or 6 p.m every day um, or at least tried to um because uh sun's heading down and it's not too safe to keep looking after that um and also you gotta figure out like a smaller town so things close early or they're not always open expect so having to plan out like okay i know where i'm going to be staying for the night but then you have to find camp you got to figure out those accommodations and then figure out dinner, figure out supplies that I need. Uh, and then um, once I got to camp, I basically had a process of like setting up my tent, um, putting up all my gear, uh, laying out any clothes that I had been wearing for the day so they could dry off. Um, and then kind of like a, 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 I would say it was, uh, a period of reflection. Um, I would, I actually, I have it right here, a journal with me. Uh, and so every day I was trying to keep a journal of what I was doing. Um, so I would, you know, try to start making dinner. And as I'm doing that, I would either like stretch um, or just kind of spend time in my journal reflecting on what I had seen, what I'd done for the day um and just uh log a couple of stats of like how far i'd gone um what i'd seen interactions with people uh and then after that um just relax probably have my second dinner um because my metabolism was just going crazy like when you're biking 60 miles a day i think i was consuming probably like three or four thousand calories a day so i would have like first dinner relax you know spend some time and then second dinner basically um and then hit the hay and start again the next day incredible i love it yeah this does a great point about not going too late either i never really thought about that like obviously you're on the roads so like it gets darker you don't want to be on the roads i mean you can hike like thinking about it as a through hiker like you can hike till the night if you want to but different when you're on a bike yeah because i i did towards the very end of the trip um i did bike through um a bit of nighttime it was just more that 
it was starting to become fall. <laughs> um, and so less daylight in the day. Um, and I had lights for my bike, but it's just not the best idea. Um, I'm fully confident in my abilities <laughs> to bike, but uh, I don't trust uh, the people that are driving all the time to be aware of where I am. But, you know, I, I made all the measures I could. I had that big old Texas flag hanging off my bike um and lights and everything um but yeah riding at night probably i would not recommend <laughs> for anyone that's bike touring um and that that was also something that hit me with like i need to wake up earlier <laughs> so that i have more daylight um <laughs> it's always dude, it's tough dude you said so you hit the you hit the road at 10 8 isn't it already hot at 10 a.m I mean, that was also something I had talked to a bunch of other bike tours. Like there were plenty of people that I met uh, along the route. Um, and so I talked to them about what their daily routine is. You know, when do they get up? When do they get going? And people are like, oh, yeah, like I woke up at 4 a.m. <laughs> and I'm yeah. on the road by like six max. And I'm like, right. What? <laughs> I think. The only time where I would have thought that would be worth it was Kansas. Uh, um, there was no other point through the trip that I was like, oh, like, I can't bike through this. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm from Houston and I'm used to uh, very cruel and punishing heat and humidity um, for a large portion of the year that I'm just like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. 90 degree days aren't that big of a deal to me but kansas there there were certainly certainly times where it was like uh what was i think we got on the road probably at like 7 a.m in kansas um a lot of the times um but yeah the 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 whole like oh is it too hot it's like eh not really for me that wasn't too big of an issue yeah i i guess i didn't think about that as you being a texan you're probably like this. Yeah. Ain't, this ain't this ain't nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I get that. Interesting. Now, oh, which two questions do I want to hit? Okay, where are you usually camping during the night? Is it at state parks? Is it, you know, how are you? How are you doing that? So, um, I actually had to uh, buy these different uh, from the Adventure Cycling Association that uh, show you your route. And so on these maps, let's see if I can find one of them. Here we go. So on these maps, you have all of these different icons and these are different resources along your route. And so on the like more detailed side of the map, you have a description of each one of these cities um, and it'll tell you uh, if there's a post office there, if there's restaurants there, if there's lodging there, um, and things like that, that are super, super helpful. Uh, like, I don't think I could have done the trip if I didn't buy these maps from the ACA. Um, they were just chock full of resources. And so basically like part of my day to day was just when I woke up and I had breakfast as I'm prepping breakfast, I'm also prepping my route for the day. I'm just looking through what would be like a primary, a secondary, and a tertiary place that I wanted to end up. 
And so I could kind of make plans as I'm going, like at lunchtime, I could say, oh, you know, I encountered a lot of like wind resistance today. So I'm super tired. I'm going to say that I stop at the like secondary place that I wanted to go today, only going to go 40 miles. Um, and so then I'd look at my map, check out the different resources. And a lot of the times there would be like campsites. Um, the only state parks I think I had were in, which was awesome. It was a great start. Um, I wish that was like the whole trip. Like my first week, I think the second and third days was just like consecutive state parks. Um, and they had bike camping on them. Um, it was like hiker biker camp spots that had a bunch of resources for bikers um, and some like tools, a place where you could lock up um and some really nice like bike specific accommodations um so i wish that was what it was like for the whole trip of uh you know clean water um like electricity hookups and stuff like that but most of the time it was more like uh, a rough campsite maybe an rv park um uh uh hostels um just different stuff like that where you're not exactly sure what the resources are going to be but i think i tried to plan out places that had access to uh clean drinking water and occasionally it was nice to have electricity but i had this whole um uh, like mobile battery pack thing and so i could survive probably like two days without needing to like hook up to anything um but yeah campsites weren't always um some sort of like pristine uh fancy thing you know sometimes i was camping on a, a bureau of land management areas and that's basically just like uh designated as wilderness you know um it's not like oh here's a nice spot for your tent and here's a, a picnic table um sometimes that's just how it is um and you know honestly those are those are some of the more fun areas um i think one of the most fun parts of the trip with that kind of campsite was in idaho um i had met up with my brother and then also another guy that had been biking with me raul um we had just been biking together that day uh my buddy raul was biking ahead of me for the day. He stopped by a Nez Pierce reservation that was just on our route, and they asked him to come fish with them. <laughs> and so mm. he's them and they give him a fresh salmon. And he takes that, and that night we go stay at this like Bureau of Land Management area. Um, and uh, a family is there that has a bunch of like cooking stuff. And so we meet these total strangers and we're just trying to, you know, see if they'll share some resources or whatever. Like, hey, can we cook the salmon with you guys? About an hour later or so, we're like best friends, you know, we're cooking together, sharing this fresh salmon um, and just like enjoying this uh, campground that's in the middle of this ravine in the middle of Idaho. Um, and so you'd have those kinds of crazy circumstance like every day you know just these random occurrences yeah 
Oh, I love it. Well, that's first of all, that's probably the f- first and only time you'll hear the word tertiary on on the podcast. So congratulations on that. I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but that's a really good way of doing that with campsites. Yeah, like a first, second, third. And then, yeah, you talk about like the serendipity of the route, right? It's like, I feel like that maybe I'm wrong here, but was that one of the best things like looking back on the trip, was that kind of one of the things that's kind of been an enduring memory for you is kind of a lot of this random stuff that happens the random people you meet and all that. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, to speak to like a bit of, uh, sort of like a, a bit of my day to day and like a day in the life. Uh, whenever I would get going in the mornings, uh, I instilled uh, kind of a practice of uh, setting forward an hour of silence in my first ride. And so I would use that time to either uh, just appreciate uh, the situation that I was in, to think about things, to pray, um, to reflect on things, to just enjoy the nature um, and really figure out how to live in the moment. Uh, because I think before that, for the past seven years, I've been in architecture school where I've just been going 90 to nothing um, and constantly having to plan things ahead and really uh, just focus on grinding through things. But once I, or once I was on the bike, just in the middle of nature on these routes, sometimes on these back roads, you can just let everything go, let all of these responsibilities go focus on being there on your bike in nature um and just being appreciative and 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 enjoying all of the things around you um so those were just moments of pure bliss and i'm really glad that i established that kind of habit because that allowed me to focus on living in the moment and changing a bit of my mindset um but yeah i think honestly one of my favorite parts was the people i would meet on the trip like i i had talked um with my friends before leaving and talked with them a bit about you know what what are you most excited about like what what do you think this is going to be like and i remember saying that i think that the people are going to be like one of the best parts like i really don't think that the people across the us are i don't know uh mean or bitter or divided like i think people are really kind hearted um and people are probably more willing to help out complete strangers than you think and that really rang true uh and and it surprised me uh and and humbled me um whether that be like people that gave me rides or or um helped me out whenever i had those kinds of mechanical issues or just like complete strangers when i'd roll into a town and they'd just be curious about what am i doing you know what's my life what what's all this stuff on your bike uh and we just start conversations and immediately just a lot of like empathy being shown and a lot of support for what i'm doing um and like i had a whole fundraiser that i was doing um with uh living water i'm actually wearing the shirt um living water and so some people would even like immediately want to donate to the fundraiser um because you know I'm, I'm trying to do this cause for uh getting access to clean drinking water to people um and so people would donate to that that like i met maybe 30 minutes ago you know so that was uh so humbling and so heartwarming to see the compassion that people have both for me and for you know 
uh, for complete um, across the U.S. Like that, that was consistent from Oregon to Wyoming to uh, Kentucky to Virginia. Like the consistency of people really caring for others um, was shocking for me. Um, even even in in their worst circumstances, like when I was riding through Eastern Kentucky, they had just had a bunch of huge flooding to the point that the ACA people that planned the bike route, they sent out like a whole email to everyone that had the um, Transamerica route saying like, hey, like here's some possible uh, changes that you can make to the route. Here's some detour, some detours. Um, but when I got to the area that had uh, experienced the most impact of the flooding, these people that run this church uh, had converted the church from a bike hostel into kind of like an emergency resource center. And, you know, we were just like, oh, maybe, maybe we don't camp here. You know, we can find other places. And they were like, no, no, like, like you can stay here. So you might have to move some of these emergency resources out of the way, but like, if you want, you can stay at our church. Um, so it was just like, this this humbling compassion of people that were dealing with their own uh, uh, struggles, uh, dealing with whatever they had going on, that still were willing to extend a hand to me and say, "Hey, you know, do you need some help? Do you need some food? Do you want some water?" Um, you know, and that was uh, such an awesome and uh, reinvigorating experience of restoring my faith in people. Dude, I could not agree more on what you just said. The news, everything is filled with right and left and everything in between. And it is not until you go out and you put yourself in this unique situation that you truly figure out that it's not like that at all. Like any person that's most people that see you struggling will have empathy. There's a lot of empathy and they'll go out of their way to help you out. Like literally go out of their way, whether that's a hitch, whether that's free food, anything like that. Right. And you're totally right. Like it restores your faith in humanity. I think anybody that's ever done a trip, like what you did or through hikes or anything like that, they just have a different worldview of people yeah. in particular. Right. And it's just like for the positive. Definitely. And like, like what you're saying, like with uh, other people that were uh, bike touring or on the same route as me, there's kind of that instant connection that you have. And even like with uh, uh, through hikers, um, you have this mindset um, that I think they're amongst each other that allows you to kind of push past some of the fluff and some of the kind of small talk things and immediately recognize like, oh, this person knows like what I'm going through. They know what it takes. And they're a bit crazy enough to, to push themselves to do something wild like this. Um, and so you're able to kind of form these connections um, a little more quickly um, or, or just find people that are kind of like-minded. And I, I, that was probably actually my favorite part of the trip was just being those moments where you meet these people maybe you ride with them for a little bit maybe they're just headed the other way and so it's just a you know crossing paths but you get to share these quick moments uh with people that know exactly what kind of mission you're 
and they kind of share that kind of mindset. I know because you could talk to your parents about it all day long or your friends or whatever. And if they're not actually out there, they like won't ever really truly understand it. Right. But yeah, right. share it with the, yeah. the same and, yeah, shared it with the same people. You could joke. You have like kind of more inside jokes or, hey, were you stuck in that storm yesterday? Oh, yeah, I was. That was a heck of a one. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, dude, I guess my last my last question for you would be. So if someone is planning this for, let's say next this year, I guess this year, yeah, 2023, mm -hmm. what's like the number one piece of advice you would give somebody? Mm -hmm. Get stronger spokes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> no gear, you know, no, no, I think knowing the limits of things. Uh, maybe that would be the best thing, whether that be knowing the limits of uh, your gear or knowing your personal limits, uh, because that I mean, that's something you'll find out there. Definitely. You'll discover that. Um, but just know what you're willing to push yourself to do and understand that you're capable of a lot more than you think. Um, like like I said, like I've never bike toured before. I, I've grown up biking my whole life. You know, I, I know how to bike and I've biked several uh, like small trips before. It's part of my, you know, routine and my lifestyle, but I've never embarked on a 4,000 bike journey before. Uh, don't, don't, don't uh, think that you can't do something just because you don't have experience with it. You know, be willing to push yourself uh, and, uh, definitely be willing to accept other people's help. That was a tough part for me at first. I think I had really thought that I needed to be completely self-reliant. Um, and that's when I've uh, uh, learned over the many years to try and push myself to have that kind of independence. But um, don't, don't uh, think that you're out there alone. You know, there's always going to be people that are willing to help you out and allow them to help you um but yeah I, I, it's it's hard to 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 come up with one piece of advice for people um it, it, it's there's so many facets of of bike touring um but you know i mean the gear is what's going to carry you along the way so make sure you invest in it <laughs> um but also invest in yourself um, and I think that once you have the confidence in both of those things, um, then you'll learn the rest that you need to on the trip, you know? Love it. So don't be a cheapo with gear. Make sure you, you know, believe in yourself and accept the fact that you're probably, you will, I would say not even probably, you will need help from other people likely on something like this. I mean, this yeah. is such a large enough journey. Yeah. Right. Right on, dude. Well, how do people, how can people catch up with you? You're on Instagram. I, well, you are on Instagram. I know that. What's your Instagram? Yeah. My Instagram is, uh, uh, Benjamin, uh, underscore 27, I think. Uh, yeah. I will definitely leave it in the show notes too. <laughs> yeah. That that, that's where I'm mainly at. Um, 
uh, and I put my entire journey on there. I put together like one minute videos of each one of the different sections of my trip um, and some different breakdowns there. Um, I haven't gotten to the point of making a personal website. I've needed to do that. I've kind of been putting that off, but I've needed to do that with my architecture portfolio and stuff like that. Um, so eventually I think I'll put that together with like a little blog, but for now, uh, the best place you can reach me is on Instagram. Perfect. Yeah. That was a great plug. So you basically can see exactly what he was talking about in some of these, in some of these pictures in these short videos on, on Instagram. Perfect. Well, that does it. If I always got to do my little outro here, cause otherwise I have to re-record this or not re-record. <laughs> I have to add the voiceover. So here it goes. If you guys like this, please give a old like on YouTube. If you're watching it there, hit the sub. And then if you're listening on Spotify, hit the follow. And give us a five-star rating, please. If you think it's worth it. I think Ben just absolutely crushed it. 